This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the preview show edition of the Blue Monday podcast, a three times weekly show looking into all things Ipswich Town. I'm your host, Richard Woodward, and I'm delighted to welcome back the brilliant Harry from Bath. Harry, how's it going? All good here, Rich. Hope you've had a good week. All, all been good with you? Not too yeah. bad, actually, yeah. yeah, I, yeah I'm much. feeling slightly more optimistic than I might have been before Preston, which is good. Yeah. And I think yeah. generally a decent week as well. How's things with you? Yeah. I, I know you've been very so- busy at work. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a slightly mad time of year. We're sort of in the in the book trade, as you know, of a little bookshop in Bath, and where it's December in a way is mechanical. Lots of selling, selling, but the, getting it right in October, and November is important to get get it all ready. But which that, football that's books it, are going to be the uh, ones to fly off the shelf for Christmas? Um, oh, there is actually there is a, you, you you've gone and asked now, haven't you? Oh, wow. There is a lovely one. This you remember I mentioned Saturday three p.m. by Daniel Gray. Yes. A few weeks ago, which is look, he's done a sequ- he's only going to done a sequel called Black Boots and Football Pinks. It's a very nostalgic walk through old another little a series of fifty little essays, literally one and two page essays about things from the past that we love, like knowing the names of grounds. What else is there in here? Cfax and teletext. Cfax. Uh, yes, indeed. Club yes. call phone numbers. Yes. Yes, indeed. That's in there. Yeah, club season highlight videos. There you go. Oh, I love uh, DHS ab- ab- season review. Abandoned matches. Um, oh, and there's one about games games being played in the fog. Uh, goalkeepers and trousers and hats. It's all. It's it's more the same actually. It's a uh, you know main stand clocks. You know again. You know <laughs> th- things that we we sponsored players' cars, and we're not talking about Lamborghinis oh, yes, here. We're talking I love about that. you know yeah. the world of Ford Capris. You know, <laughs> Derek David Kerslake drives a Fiat Uno. <laughs> <laughs> He shouldn't be publicising that. What's that? What was that called again, Harry? What was that book? It's called Black Boots and Football Pinks. It's a great Christmas stocking filler. There you okay, are. okay. Let's put the book selling hat away. Consumer because advice as well is, as, as well indeed, as analysis. It's, yeah, it's a good plug. Daniel always Gray. adding value. It's and a lovely. It's a lovely football. League. It's 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 why we love the game, really. The, the madness of it all. But it has been a good week. It's been. I feel. Despite despite our perilous situation, it has been a very positive week. I think you know, with Preston and the performance against Preston and the the spirit that we showed, and then Lambert as well during the week. You know, with um, yeah. the, the, what he's been saying and what he's been doing, it's, I think it's been really good. Yeah, well, absolutely. We'll we'll, come, we'll 
briefly talk about um, his uh, his <laughs> inviting in of um, Burley, Walk, and Butcher mm-hmm. in a minute. In terms of the Preston game, obviously we dealt with that on the um, Sunday show. Um, so apologies mm-hmm. who, if I've been too frequent a uh, fixture on the podcast the last few weeks. You don't worry about that. I don't think I'm on Sunday, so you won't see me again. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I think we it was definitely um, a really good start, a really good first half. Um, mm-hmm. and, and a lot more purpose about us. I don't think necessarily we had more threat um, about us. I think Roberts did well up front, but I don't think we were suddenly more potent. I think there was mm-hmm. just a bit more structure to our play, which meant that we created more problems. But I don't think yeah. Maxwell had a huge amount to do. And the little he did do was going crazy and having adventures <laughs> at the end of his penalty areas or out on the side of the pitch as well. Um, mm. I don't know whether we... Did we call him out on that? I know we could have had him down as a bit of a sweeper-keeper. No, no we, or... we, had him, we, we had him down as a sweeper-keeper. We didn't realise just how far he'd sweep, I think, is the <laughs> way of describing it. Preston France, I went on their website afterwards to see what they had to say. They were furious with him. You know, they said, we should have been pushing for the win, but then Maxwell goes and does that. It's interesting. That comment you just made, though, about us being tight, that goes back to what Luke Chambers was talking about the previous week, or maybe even this week, he was talking about shape. In one of his interviews, he talked about the importance of getting back to talking about shape, whereas in under previous the previous manager, it might have been more to do with fitness. Yes. Whereas it seems now that this is more about putting together, you know, just working the thing together as, a, as a, the team together as a unit, which is really really good. And it's interesting, and um, because one of the one of the other comments Preston fans made, and we won't dwell on them too much, but they are a high scoring team. Don't forget that. You always must respect who you're actually playing. You know, everyone talks about everyone had a bad, you know, a fullback had a bad game against Brentford. Look at their wingers. And um, they were talking about the fact that Daniel Johnson had didn't have no had nothing like the impact he's had in the previous few games. Therefore, they weren't able to play the ball to feet, and and they said it was another good spoiling job by our opposition. So you could argue that the midfield, which we knew was a real threat for Preston, that we managed to actually, you know, we actually managed to nullify a huge amount of that threat. All, all so, the um, players that we called out. Um, yeah. Johnson was anonymous and was subbed at 60 minutes. Yeah. Brown was subbed as well, I think. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember the other sub. I've, I've forgotten. I think it was Barkheisen who went off as well. But yeah. I was looking out for Johnson and, and, and definitely our formation. I think just quickly, we we did call the back line correctly, spot on. Yeah. I think we expected Spence, given his experience, would start. Yeah. But Scoose actually did a really good sitting job, particularly when we were out of possession as part yeah. of that central three. We think it was a 4-3-3 three, three, yeah. um, that Lambert went with. And, and I think Scoose got through a lot of work. And actually yeah. our pressing seemed to work as well because Scoose sat and then... Chalaber and Downs actually got quite high up the pitch to press and try to join in with Freddie and, and Jordan Roberts and Guion Evers. It worked actually quite well yeah. until the sending off actually and then we kind of lost our shape and lost our discipline and it all went a bit messy. Did did we just lose our focus? This thing of when you know, outfield players and goals is always one of those things we you know the whole, you know basically all the tactics, all the analysis we've been doing all week goes out the window, and you just think, right lads, shoot on sight approach, and which we did, didn't did. do, which was really frustrating actually. Um, yeah, uh, we just it started lumping it forwards, and actually the ball came back to us really quickly, and and actually because we'd shoved yeah. so many people up the pitch, Preston broke through quite a few times yeah. actually. Yeah, um, mm. but yeah, we got lucky with Pennington pulling off a. 
uh, as I called it, a John McGreal's tackle. Um, it was on the, on the Metro, wasn't it? Yeah, That's right. Yeah, um, it was really good. But I think it was just mm. a bit of lack of discipline in terms of keeping possession and trying yeah. to work the ball as opposed to just lumping it forward. Um, yeah. But it was enjoyable seeing an outfield player in goal. That's always um, that might be in your book actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the it's in the first book. It's definitely in the first book. As I say, everything goes out the window if you're in the same postcode. Shoot, basically, it seems to be the idea. It's interesting what you're saying about Lambert. Um, I, you know, we talked about this last week. The whole idea will, 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 we're getting a sense of where he's at now. That idea, there were three things that Luna saw the lineup players he can trust, that's huge, players of proven historic ability in their positions, and then consistency, which is maybe why Ward was kind of taken out of the picture because of the lack of consistency. But those three things alone will give will start to restore balance. And we were talking about this before the before we started recording. Hurst in today's press conference, and I think Phil has picked Lambert. it up. This, Lambert, I should say. Forgive me, Lambert. That's I keep right. doing this. So <laughs> Lambert, Lambert, apologies. Everyone. They're all Pauls. <laughs> Lambert was talking about this in the um, in his match interview today with on TWTD. Phil picked up on it. about the whole question of imbalance and it's so heartening when you hear a manager talking about that because it's the first thing any decent manager will look at what's the balance of the squad what's the balance of the team once you get that right then generally you're kind of two-thirds of the way there so it was really really good Um, the issue is that there's not a huge amount he can do about it for now though is there no it's hands hands I think again looking at the midfield what you're saying is interesting skews looking at the the shape and I think with the, with the clarity of roles in midfield, Skews will then blossom because I think he, it was things were so ill-defined yep. in midfield under Hurst. I think you know he was often up the field. He was nobody was ever in position going back to the first Middlesbrough goal. Um, but I think my sense is what Lambert he would probably do a bit what McLaren has done at Queens Park Rangers, keep it solid and then start to graft on more and more creativity as we go. I could be wrong on that, but that's that would be my sense anyway. But um, I, I think you're right, and certainly I think Skews has been. We had some questions about this. I remember early on in Hurst's era about should we dispense with Scoose because he can't do maybe what Hurst is expecting of him. And I and I think I probably was of that school of thought to an extent as well because if Hurst was all about the high press and the possession, um, Scoose is is good to sit in front of the defence and protect. Um, yeah. And to have two sitting midfielders as well didn't seem to work for us either. But actually, no. what Scoose needs is is a clear role and a brief which yeah. he had under Mick. And it yeah. looks like Lambert's giving him back. And I think yeah. that will, yeah, as you say, give him a lot more confidence, I think. Yeah, he's an absolute genius at spotting danger five seconds before anybody else. He has five five seconds of yards in his head. Yeah. He can, he has, it's a sixth sense he has, and um, it's brilliant. It's what but a we, really you know, experienced get... pro for us as well. The, yeah. the, the experience yeah. you need in the team, given it's yeah. full of you know, inexperienced players from lower leagues yeah. or the academy. Yeah. Um, Mm. We we mentioned this just before, so I want to ask. Um, we had a couple of questions on this, but this is something that, in terms of the good week, and there's been a lot <laughs> of good stuff coming out of the club. Um, yeah. The Jimmy Walker appointment, I think, seems to have gone down well, and he seems a really uh, solid <laughs> guy. Interesting character, yeah, absolutely. The, the, and Brilliant. I like these training videos as well with La- yeah. you know, Paul Lambert. Let's not forget is a Champions League winner, um, mm. a really decorated, well, not super decorated, but a really experienced player with a really good cr- uh, pedigree. Yeah, actually had a fairly decent job as a coach as well, but has worked for, as you were talking about last week, some really great managers. So yeah. it's interesting that he's the first manager in the last few years, in the last, since Royal perhaps, who's actually embraced the club's heritage and also brought in some of our more experienced, you know, our, um, the players under the Robson era who, who've managed yeah. clubs and know their stuff. Um, yeah. And we're talking um, Burley, 
butcher and walk. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll ask these questions. Um, it's kind of mullet and um, our, our favorite yucky rain um, asking the questions. Um, mullet's kind of view is, um, is this um, a genuine boost to the players from a football perspective or media wrangling PR to establish a positive environment and mindset in and out of the tent? Um, which I think is a good thing. I think he means that from in a good way rather than a kind of a cynical yeah. PR yeah. Um, perspective. Any 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 thoughts on that one? And, and your it's general a, thoughts? It's an interesting it's a, it's an interesting question, Rich. I think I go back to walking out of the Leeds game, and we the fan base, the crowd who went up to that game, they weren't even angry. They just felt a bit crestfallen. I think more than anything. I think as if ever as a supporter group, we needed a morale boost. It is now. I think we've been through so much. You know, so many full stones as it were and I think it felt to me as if it had gone beyond anger we needed a kind of group hug as it were and I think Lambert has actually picked up on that I think it's a, I think it is both I think it's good public relations yes and but it's also showing us what we know we have known for years we can achieve you know ten, a decade ago we were fighting at the other end of the championship it's no reason why we can't be there again let's you know let's let, let's not forget that um, and I also think the fact that the legends were prepared to come along was mm-hmm. a vote of confidence in Lambert and a sign of the respect in which he's held I think the players will have loved it as well it's great you know that you know you know it's part it's the DNA of the club we know what we're capable of when we get on the front foot you know when we anytime we've ever got into the top flight anytime we've ever got you know got, got in among the big boys you know, we give them as good as we get. You know, under Burley, we finished so high. Under Bobby, we finished so high. Under Sir Ralph, we finished so high. You know, we're quite fearless. You know, we you know we can mix it with the best. No reason why we can't get back to that again. And I think that's what Lambert was trying to. That's what he was tapping into. He knows what he knows the potential that's here. And um, it was brilliant. No, I think it was good on both levels. I think it gave everybody a lift as well. I mean, I think we're all feeling a little bit more confident, certainly compared to where we were. I mean, how many, how many weeks ago was Leeds? Two, two, two three weeks? Half, yeah, two and a half yeah. weeks ago. You know, we were all through the floor after that. I, I came away thinking, goodness me, what are we, you know, where are we? Yes. And now you just feel, right, we have a sense of direction now. And we've got, you know, it's baby steps, but it is steps. And we will, you know, we can we can push forward. Yeah. And to the, to the point in the, in the question from, from Mullet and Yucky Bone, I'll reach read this. Do you think this is just to get fans on side? Uh, yeah. I mean, my my view is that there's no problem in doing that. Actually, we, as you yeah. say, uh, first we've got the issue of the fragmented opinions amongst the supporter base as well about um, Mick Hurst, um, Evans, um, and as as a you know a social media nation now, we generally have quite fractured opinions anyway. So yeah. I think that's objective number one is to try to unify a little bit on the history, but also going forward we we do need to get behind the players and the manager if we're going to have any chance of survival so whilst yeah. i guess it might appear to be a little bit um spinny and a bit you know um pr savvy i actually think mm-hmm. it's a sensible approach I, th- I don't think it's just for show do, do you no it's more than show that that was way more than show i think he's he's trying to he's, we talked about him last week being a great man manager and a great motivator and i think he's he, he understands that we have an integral role to play in turning this around mm. and, and at the I end think, full time on mm. saturday he came pretty much all, all the way to the front of the north stand yeah um, to applaud the, the fans and also to kind of point to say and applaud for the players because i think everyone was starting to chant for paul lambert and all that kind of stuff yeah um, but he was kind of making sure that people were picking it out and identifying the players as well who'd put in the shift so yeah I, i'm liking I, lambert early on I'm yeah right I, too. I am too and i think my sense is as well that the crowd who turned up for reading on saturday and I, i'm looking forward to heading up the m4 to go 
I think we're going. I mean, I think you put up a tweet earlier this week about make sure we bring our scarves. Yes. I think it's a, you know it's a small thing, but if we all do it, and if we all get noisy, we all get rowdy, we all really get behind the team and play a full part in it. It will it will let the players know that we we've clocked what's going on, yep. and we have got their backs. They're not responsible for what's happened to a huge extent. I know Chambers would say possibly you know everyone has played a part in the start of the season, but we want the players to know that we have their backs, and we will do everything we can together to get out of this. Yep, should be good numbers on Saturday as well. Should as be, Harry yeah. says, bring your scarves, everyone. I've yeah. forgotten to tweet that today, so I will do that again. But definitely. Yeah. Good just idea. something, a symbolic gesture, isn't it? Just to, yeah. and hopefully it'll improve the atmosphere as well. Let's yeah. let's let's go up the M4, down the M4, or um, down on the train for me on the uh, cross country service. Um, Reading are, you know, I don't. I, it's not a surprise, I guess, to see Reading in the league position they are, given the end of their season last year and how fortunate they were to stay up. Um, you were at the four nil win in April and that looked pretty desperate stuff from yeah. Reading they haven't yeah. spent a huge amount of money in um, in the summer either uh, Paul Clement is still there and a pretty iffy start a few wins here and there um, but certainly uh, this is another one of those games unfortunately where we need to be looking to get at least a point really isn't it yeah and I'd agree with that the the, the, the game I've never seen a team like a house of cards before in such a bad fall apart that way as they did in April, it was it was quite it was quite it was shocking. Dual esque, it, isn't it? It was, and, and there was something riding on the game as well for them. It wasn't as if it was a you know they they needed to get something otherwise they had to go to Cardiff, which they did. They dug out a draw in the final game, but they were the portal you know the, the trap door I should say was open and they were looking to, like were looking down it. Um, it was a team bereft of confidence. It really was, and um, and I remember when we looked at them, I talking talking to Ben in the preseason piece we did. Um, the preseason show when we looked at all the clubs across the the league, they were genuinely fearful. And even in the opening game, I think Ben went to it when they lost to Frank Lampard's Derby two one. They played brightly, which was unfortunate. They, they, wasn't they, it, yeah, they did. They played brightly, but but it kind of almost signified, okay, this is the direction the two teams are going to go in. One team may, may play well, but not get what they deserve, and the other vice versa. As the Derby are, are shot up the table, um, where are they? Um, they're a mixture of edgy wins and poor defeats. There's a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde about them. Like last week, they beat Bristol City. Though I know a lot of Bristol City fans in the West Country get them on Lee Johnson having another poor streak, and they'll they, they, they'll they'll power they'll power the city with the, the energy they give off. Um, so they do come up with wins out of nowhere. They beat Millwall against the odds. Beat Bristol. They beat had a comfortable win over Hull a few games ago. But just as equally, they went out to Swansea and that other Reading that we saw in April appeared. Yep. The unconfident one, the passing backwards. And two of the themes that will come through as we discuss them are um, the the issue of Paul Clement being necessarily a good coach, but not necessarily a great manager. Yep. And also something that we have seen in the early part of the season of an unconfident team making errors, playing within themselves, playing you know, playing cautiously, risk-averse, and therefore risk-taking, if that makes sense. Um and uh, it's it's something that keeps coming through. Um, there was a great great quote. One of them said at the beginning, "He says this feels like the winter that never ends." Oh, wow! <laughs> it's a, well, it's, I mean, it's Groundhog it's Day a, or something. Yeah, it's not just us. Um, as I say, <laughs> and oh, the 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 other slightly more scary one was there was one of them talked about the fact that they were in a relegation fight. But one of the, another royal in that discussion said, "To be fair, we're not fighting," and at times wow. at, at times they're not. Um, and if I go yeah, back to their summer business, the the two signings that stuck out for me were. 
O'Shea and Mailer who were there to kind of provide a bit more experience and yeah. to be a bit more solid. But actually, those are pl- I guess Mailer's a little bit be- bit less error prone than O'Shea has been in recent times at Sunderland. But but neither of them have really kind of clicked in and, and provided that rigidness to the the squad, have they? They've they've both had their moments. O'Shea's had There's, sendings off, isn't he? I think he's, he was sent off against Hull, and he's. We'll, we'll look at the players in detail, but the issue with O'Shea, he they desperately they desperately needed leadership at the back, but he comes with leadership, but at the expense of a complete lack of pace, yes. and that's where he gets he gets exposed. He's he's 37. He's not. He's and if you isolate him one on one, it's you know it's a bit like although we've talked about these heart of oak championship defenders who are you know very sturdy, good in the air, good good communicators, good line leaders, but. You know, the, 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 the question mark often can be that. And O'Shea, that's what did him against Hull. And I he, just you know, remember Bogga. And, and yeah. we were debate. I think he was 35, wasn't he? I think we agreed. Around when that, he, yeah. When he, he was, was mid-30s. He's kind of yeah. swan song for us that promotion season. So, yeah, yeah O'Shea's two years on him and... It can work, and the other the other position which again we'll talk about Mailer. He's Mailer has he's he's hardly in the team at the moment. One of them described the word. What was, I've got a, some quotes on Mailer. They're just trying to make sense of him. Um, he's the the poor recruitment has been an issue again. Um, uh, as a squad of players, we're below championship standard. But um, what's going on with Mailer? There must be a reason. He's not even in the team. And um, uh, why isn't he? Why isn't he playing? There has to be a real issue with him if he isn't persuading Clement to start him. And he's a Clement signing as well. One of them said an abomination. This is a team that is. Cry- it's a team crying out for a steely holding midfielder. They don't have one because the other player they got in, and I will attempt to pronounce his name, Saeed Zatolahi. He's an Iranian international. Really, he was a very everything that liked about him he looks like a decent good championship level player he picked up a thigh injury a quad injury they called him the Persian the Persian Pogba but unfortunately he's out of he's out of the picture until December so therefore they're therefore they're working with a quartet of similar lightweight good passing midfielders but none of whom can actually nice deal there's no, there's, there's no steel there, exactly that. And so, but going back to your comment about Mailer, the, you know, he was meant to be a pivotal signing. Yeah. So O'Shea, you know, they're kind of sticking plaster signings, really. And we were surprised. Ben and I were looking at the team in their final preseason friendly, which was a four-nil hammering by Palace, same score. I think it was something like seven or eight of the starting eleven had played in the Reading the game that we had won four-nil wow. four months earlier. So you know, it's um, you know, it's they are worried. Um, they were talking. We won the relegation battle last year, but we're in real danger of going down. You know, there. You know, every game is a cup finalist. Teams pick points up against us. On current form, we won't survive. Um, but they, you know, they they were saying they haven't won two consecutive games this season. Well, they've they've actually won two games. So let's get it in context. But uh, but but two home games as well. I guess we need to. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, they you know they they they're looking to find some momentum from somewhere. But um, and the other question, which I think we felt at our worst, is the sense that some, a lot of the fans are stopped have stopped caring. I know the plastic thing gets thrown at Reading fans, but that they were saying home crowds are falling all the time and some fans are just not some fans are sensibly not making the decision to come they stop they've stopped coming who can blame them kind of wow. thing so it's a very there's a it, it does feel very fragile there and um you know in a way they're more even though they're not a million miles away from Preston in terms of um points or Millwall in terms of points you get a feeling that whereas Preston and Millwall are starting to climb Reading may be a little bit more, not quite as bad as Bolton, but they may be a team who are still hovering, if that makes sense. Yeah. So they could be, they, you know, given that we, we nullified Preston, 
that midfield particularly, we'll talk about it in a bit. We could actually get at them. Yeah. Should we? Um, what's the easiest way to this? Should we go work our way through the team from goalkeeper um, forwards? So, so shall we? Shall we? Shall we yeah, let's talk about Clement first briefly, if that's okay, because okay, yeah. I want to talk about him. The, the the issue, there's a couple of quick comments about Clement. Um, he's, it's the coach versus manager thing is the big theme. Um, and the issue around his signings have been abysmal, they say. He doesn't motivate, he's tactically inept, and at times he seems a beaten man. Um, and there's an absolutely damning point, which I'll read this quote out. Not for the first time, I'm watching us thinking, what are we trying to achieve? We seem to play like a group of players who vaguely know each other. They're all doing their thing. There's no shape or direction to our play. At no point do I ever feel that we're simply going to rip a team apart. That all comes back to, you know, that's really on the manager side to me. When, when you've got a team playing with that lack of personality, you can see what Paul Lambert's trying to do with us. He's trying to find that identity within our squad. They simply don't have it at the moment. Um, and it's painfully obvious the team isn't playing for him. He do, um, as I say, and so the more gloomy people are saying, it's a question of waiting for the inevitable. The few optimists that there are are saying that, look, he, the guy needs time. The problems run far deeper than the manager. Back to the old owners relegate, owners relegate clubs yeah. narrative. He needs time, patience and our support. Let's be realistic. Change your manager so often is just a recipe for disaster. So he, they feel he has time on his side. But, um, but at the same time, that lack of personality going back to April last year is something that just keeps, it's a kind of a little drumbeat that just keeps going along. They do feel that this game is huge for him if we don't beat Ipswich one of them has, I mean, this is over dramatising it if we don't beat Ipswich Clement deserves to be sacked on the spot that's how they feel it's an absolutely massive game for them they think it's make or break for Clement as well I guess I'm we not need sure. to um, realise that we are the, the team now that to lose to Ipswich is a, is a bit of an embarrassment aren't yeah. we, sadly yeah. the, weakest, the weakest gazelle in the pack as it were everybody's <laughs> chasing us down yeah. Yeah. God. people are um, biting our legs yeah. Yeah. it's um so where are they in terms of uh, they've generally I mean the goal difference 22-27 doesn't suggest any glaring issues in attacker defence um, they've been playing generally with the back four and the midfield three lately as I say we'll talk about um, we've talked about the lack of identity um, and defensive errors coming back to the lack of confidence we'll go through the players in a minute a lightweight midfield which is the huge issue for them and um, they have got some they have got a little bit of threat in attack I have to say um, although not apart from Azatolahi who's missing who's a big player Bod Varson is also on, won't be playing he's got leading a back score, isn't he? he is their leading scorer and he's out so it looks like Sam Baldock will be leading the, leading the line now Baldock he's unselfish he tracks back he does all of those kind of good hard working things but he's not necessarily a finisher um, but as I say that's um, they have got um, they do like wingers the way they operate so they've had um, players like Modu Barrow um, with Gareth McCleary who's also come back he's also a major threat um, he's back now he had a big ankle injury he broke his ankle in February he's still not fully fit but he's on the, he's on the way back as well so they are they're, they're a team that's kind of it's quite imperfect there are question marks all around the squad players are all good but as it were, it feels like um, Lambert's criticism of us, of us about an unbalanced team is potentially. It, it, it is you unbalanced. You can put players in yeah. positions, but yeah. the, the conveyor yeah. bonds that you keep talking about, you know, are they there as well? That not, midfield they're, they're particularly really feels there. a bit of a. It's, it, it feels it does just feel, it does feel it is very poor. Well, we start. Um, yeah, let's have a look at as I say, teams. As I say, assume as we're chatting, the, the recruitment has 
has not helped, but particularly the lack of confidence. Um, there's a couple of themes that come through all the time, and we will know these ourselves. Um, where's the urgency when we fall behind in games? The battling quality is what we're most missing. There was a lovely line. They played Swansea. They lost 2-0 a couple of weeks ago. As soon as a Reading player had the ball, there were two Swansea players on him straight away, giving him no time to settle. When the roles were reversed, Reading players would run away, run over only to back away, allowing the Swansea players time to pick their path. Wow. And we yeah. were really good at that on, on, against Preston, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, we actually, yeah, we, we got into them. We actually got into them. Um, and the other thing they said about, this is the, I mean, this is, again, Reading now, which is probably true of us under Hurst. They work hard for 45 minutes, but don't turn up for the second half. There was an issue with them yeah. switching off after halftime, and Clement was being really hammered for, what was he saying, for his halftime team talks. Um, so looking at the team, shall we run through them? I don't want to sort of, bombard people with data but there's there are some issues with there are question marks over pretty much everybody there's a yes but with them all so we'll start with the keeper sam walker now the other two vito minone and yakala are both injured yakala came in and see yakala he's he's been at the third choice keeper he came in and had an absolute blinder against millwall a couple of weeks ago um but he's now out with an injury sam walker's their only is he the ex you goalkeeper sam walker? he is indeed is he? in july that's him that's him yeah. Is he highly rated um, at Colchester? Definitely. He was highly rated at Colchester. Um, well, I love this. It's Yakala who can't kick. Walker's the one who can't catch crosses. <laughs> they, just, oh. they, were, they, were, they were having a goalkeeper discussion and somebody got the two confused. Oh, Minoni so, yeah. is quite, he's quite well known for having a mistake in him as well, isn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, they were saying, it, they were saying is, there a youth keep, is there a youth player who can't throw and then they'll have the full set. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they were being very gallant about it. They were saying about Walker, he's the smallest six foot six, six inch keeper they've ever seen. He's got no command of a six yard box. He makes good saves, but he seems glued to his line. Shaky on crosses and lost in no man's land. Um, it that seems to be the issue. He's a good shot stopper, but it seems to me that if you get, if you know, attack the line, if Edwards gets down the line, yeah. whoever's out, I just get down the line, put it in. We don't take just, shots, Harry. So, no. and, and our threat came on Saturday down yeah. the right hand side with Spence. Yeah, Excellent. it could be. Our corner kicks into the corner kicks into the six yard box. Yeah, just put them in there and just give them a reception committee as well. So that's the key, that's the keeper Walker. Um, I think if Yakala was fit, uh, my sense is because of his heroics against Millwall, he would probably be the one who would play. Um, the centre halves, Lee Moore is the is the big name. They nearly lost him over the summer. Remember, he was kind of he was kind of looking to angling for a move. I think is the nicest way to put it. He was um, there, there was some uncertainty. Um, they think he's their, he is their best centre back, but he is on the small side and struggles in the air. He's cultured and comfortable on the ball. He's not so much a physical player. He's more of a ball playing centre half, a former Leicester player. Um, some of his positioning. Sometimes they were criticising him in a couple of games about he's meant to be the one de- defining where the line should be. Sometimes, occasionally, being a yard or two back from where the line should be. <sighs> Therefore. <laughs> causing everyone to be onside. But anyway, so that's, but Moore is the, he, he's the kind of the, the best of them. And we mentioned O'Shea earlier, decent in the air, composed, but this lack of pace means he's a risk of getting a red card. But he does give them leadership. He's dominant and he's he is good in the air, but he's, you need a fast defender beside him to mop up what goes on in behind. And the other player who can come in is Thiago Elori, Portuguese lad who was, um, was came from Liverpool where he never broke into the t- team, exporting Lisbon. Now he's more comfortable on the ball. He has got pace, so he is one of those defenders who can nip in around the back. Lots of discussion as to whether or not he should be a holding midfielder or a fullback because okay. he can play either of those as well. Um, you could actually put him as the holding midfielder, then dropping into the back to bring the ball out again. But yeah. um, well, we've seen um, that so, before, haven't we? The yeah, exactly. ex Premier League fullback playing holding yeah. midfield. 
Exactly, yeah. It's a, <laughs> um, a good, good, good burst of speed to put in superb tackles. He's a good kind of contingency defender as well. But um, they don't think he's actually a fullback because his crossing is, is iffy at the best of times. But he does give sloppy passes away. Sometimes a player who's very comfortable on the ball can, they can their concentration can go. And that, that, that's how, Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, Sorry. So, um, no, no, no. Yeah, exactly that. You know, exactly. That. It's, it's, it's the old L plates again, isn't it? Exactly. Um, <laughs> Um, fullbacks are interesting. There's a guy, Barnsley guy, who arrived from, in summer, um, Andy Adam. Um, I saw him, and he was targeted actually in the Barry Cotter game and Mick's last game um, at Portman Road late last season. Um, he's been really, really good for them. He's very much a right back, and they get wound up badly when they put him on the left hand side because he's so one footed. He's not left footed at all. He should be. He's a right back as far as they're concerned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, defends and gets forward well. Exactly, a mixture of good runs forward and if he crosses. But he's he's he likes to attack if he can. The question mark over him at the moment is he's be, he's virtually played. He certainly, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's played every minute of the last eight games. He needs a break. Right. They think he's getting a bit cooked. He needs you know mentally as well as physically. He's been quite tired and he has been played at left back and right back. So, but the but but fundamentally good. And the other two fullbacks they've got are Tyler Blackett and Chris Gunter. Gunter Blackett's ex-Manchester United. He played briefly in the team, but but he fell out. Um, and it's, they think it's a confidence issue with him. He's 24, um, left back primarily. Um, had his usual bright against Bristol City. Had his usual bright 10 minutes, followed by a single error, which drained his confidence away. I was going to say I constantly see him on highlights shows doing yeah. something dumb. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with Talksport Fan Network and NordVPN giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash blue monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Mm. Um, he, he sold a couple of dummies against Bristol City on the edge of his own penalty area, and if if they had if if um, I think it was Diadu the striker if he had got that if he had read it right, 
um, Blackett was toast. He was absolute toast. He was doing a couple of pirouettes and things. And you just think, whoa, look, you do it. you're doing it outside the wrong penalty box, mate. It's, uh, <laughs> it's really bad. And he does give them heart attacks. He really does for that reason. And he can also be slow to react when the ball gets into the box. Um, he can. He's good enough going forward. But when he gets forward, he can sometimes take a bad, bad touch rather than actually just hammering a cross end. So, again, imperfect work in progress. Um, left back and the other fullback who's kind of been in and out of the team he's been coming on almost as a bench option to add some steelers but amazingly Chris Gunter who's only 29 so he's not at the end of his career he's but he rated at Forest yeah, yeah Wales International you know he's really really good they, 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 they slaughtered him he ducked out of one cross in a Wales Spain International recently and I saw that I didn't realise it was him until the Reading players flagged it up um, that he's is he he seems to be off the pace at the moment um, and he is getting targeted when he has started um, and he has this defensive reflex in him that when he gets the ball, one of them said he has an attraction towards his own goalkeeper. So, you know, he, when he gets it rather than going forward, he will be Panic. cautious. Yeah. yeah. And they, they want him. He, he came on against Bristol, if memory serves me right. I remember in the match day threat, he did and they and they were full of praise for him. They said there was a little bit more of the old Gunter about him and, you know, you'd have thought with a player of his experience with him and O'Shea, two experienced internationals along with Moore, you'd have thought, well, surely they could put something good together there, even just to keep it solid. But um, but he has been in and out of the team, I have to say. So that's the defence, as I say. All players who are potentially good, but all of whom have question marks against them. But the midfield is the real problem, because they're missing. They cannot replace either... Um, as that Alahi or the, the and, and Mailer's been such a, a crashing disappointment. The big name, Liam Kelly, he, he in a way sums up a lot of the team. He is such a Jekyll and Hyde player. Against Bristol City, he scored an absolute beauty just before half time in the first half stoppage time. Very tidy, hustling, keeping the ball moving, dictating the tempo, keeping the you know just keeping the momentum of the game going. However, he he doesn't do it consistently and teams can know they can it's the lack of physicality thing if you put somebody on him and just disrupt him he can actually go in on his shell and against Swansea you got the the hide version in that he was making incisive forward passes um occasionally making some effort in tackling but then he lost his energy every pass started going backwards and sometimes for absolutely no reason it killed the momentum and it put the team under pressure it's um it's it's interesting because he is again He's he he's he's played in the last three games. He's come in as a regular feature. Did you but, say um, that? So he you said he's a, a big name, but probably not familiar to quite a lot no, of the team on the podcast. Is he like, an up and comer? Is he a? Is he's, he a he's, he's twenty two. <clears throat> I came across him because he was on loan at Bath City in very back in twenty sixteen. So he would have been a quite a young teenager, sixteen, seventeen years old. And even then, they they he was very he, they, he caught everyone's eye. Kelly, he was seen as a you know a real prospect, but I think. I think it could be that he's suffering because of the lack of midfield balance. And yeah. if you had the right <clears throat> part in there with him, he could then go and do his thing. You know, um, I'm just looking through the, the yeah. I've got the squad up here as well. And I'm just looking yeah. through there and thinking he needs yeah. someone, a foil or a, a mentor of some mm. kind on the pitch, doesn't he? And I'm looking through it he does. thinking yeah. John Swift might be that, but he's, he's young himself. No, he's, he's 23. Um, and, the, and the issue with yeah. Swift briefly is he's, he's, he's actually, he likes to get forward. He's one of these players. He will vary the pace. He likes, to, he likes to bring the ball forward. He, it, that's his thing. And he's actually good. They were thinking that if we try and crowd out the midfield in one of the discussions, they thought Swift would be the man in there to kind of, to kind of, 
you know get stuck in and try and get some forward momentum going if things get congested but there's an issue there's a question mark a small one over his fitness right. nothing has come up formally but he he seems to be he's, he was very lethargic particularly in the Millwall game it did they just seemed he was almost distracted as how they described it he had a he just he didn't have the 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 his Duracell battery or whatever other batteries available. Um, it's they were yeah, they were on low power. Put it that way. But you're right. So you've got a 22 year old Kelly. And you've got a 23 year old John Swift. You know, the, you know, and they're two of the and they they did play if our memory memory serves me right in the April game last year as well. And we were able to. It was a midfield that we were able to control. The other player in there then is Leandro Bakuna. And again, it's a weird you, one you, for me. He's uh, yeah. Villery was a fullback. I'm pretty. I'm, yeah. I'm trying yeah. to remember back. I haven't seen too much of Villery, but yeah. yeah, to see him at holding midfield is a bit of a strike. I think he can play there, but as I say, yeah. he's quite quick. I think Bakuna as well. That's an interesting yeah. one, anyway. He is. It's an interesting one because they did he, in the, against Bristol City. He was effectively the, in the three they played. He was the one at the. He was the one at the base of the three, and they played um, Kelly. And we'll come on to Andy Renham Hota in a minute. He's a teenager who's coming through. But Bakuna was. They described him. He was like a ball carrying centre back at times against Bristol City. So he was linking the play out. That makes sense. He, yes. Yeah, but he's he's a kind of Daniel Johnson type of player. I think he is comfortable on the ball he has scored for them when he gets forward and I think if, if memory says right, he, yeah. he did he the did winner, score actually, yes he, he can drive them forward a player that they all have great affection for at Reading is Danny Williams okay um, a midfielder who's now I think with Huddersfield of says so, yeah he, he progressed from USA International if memory serves me right but he was one of those players who had a bit of athleticism and good movement and he was able to bring play forward and I think they want Bakuna to become Williams if that makes sense that right. that would be there that would be what they'd like um, but again the addition of Zatalahi gave him license to run with the ball it's back to this midfield balance ideally you would take one of those three we've just mentioned out and put in the holder and let the other two then link play further up the field so that's yeah. it's what it's what they're missing in a way who is it that Brest Preston had last week who was the out and out sitter they had Pearson was it yeah. Um, who, yeah. did, who actually didn't do much in the first half from what I recall yeah but they, but 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 him being there in theory is well, it's interesting if he didn't actually because was that down to the fact that the R two midfielders were actually not letting him do anything? I don't th- I don't think he had a huge amount of work in the middle of the pitch. I didn't, didn't right. recall him drifting out wide to try and cover there either. I think he was quite central, and most yeah. of our threat came down the sides actually. It was, it came down the it yeah. was Edwards and. Um, Spence down the right and Freddie actually yeah. was down the left hand side. That's right. And, yeah. and, and into the second half when it had got a little bit congested in the middle, that's when he kind of kick, kicked into gear actually and started right. making things happen. But he, he did his usual, um, he was quite <laughs> cantankerous. I think he got a, a booking for descent, if I remember rightly. Uh, that's right. No, they were, they, he did. In fact, they were cross, uh, the, the Preston fans were cross with the number of, there were a lot of, dis, this, I think two of them got dis, got yellow cards for descent and they were, yeah, they, they weren't too happy about that. It's, um, but you'd see, you could see a player like Pearson dropping into that Reading be midfield. Ideal. He'd yeah. just be he'd be perfect for them. He really yeah. would. You know, you just go around and just start just biting people, basically. The other player, the other player who's come in, who's is a bit of a Flynn Downsy type, I think, in terms of his development. He's a player who's been on the fringes of the team, and he's had a little run. He had his debut against Bristol City. Um, and he was ace barring a couple of loose passes and touches. This is Andy Renham Hota. He's 19. Came from Wessex League team AFC Portchester. Um, but that was a few years ago. Um, That's name we all know. Uh, indeed, indeed it is. But bear in mind, Reading's track record at developing young players is yeah. something they do brilliantly. So, you know, the right team for him to go to and he's blossomed. Um, he, it's interesting to said about him 
it's, he's not away. He's, he's not. He's not afraid to wait for the pressure, shield the ball, and turn his man rather than just look for support. So he's not just a, a, a teenager in there who will hold on to the ball and wait for the cavalry to come. He has a little bit more about him. Now, whether or not he'll play again this week, I don't know. It's a question of whether, I think it's a question of whether Swift has got his legs back or, you know, or whether they feel he might need a rest having had a, you know, having had a time in the spotlight. But they were very impressed with him against Bristol City. He shielded the ball well. He kept possession in tight spots. He didn't create much, but he kept the ball moving and didn't give it away. So he was a bit of a, you know, he was a good an efficient cog in the machine, let's just say. So, so we've, say, got, that... we've got the central three then. Um, yeah. So you say two wingers and... Um, yeah, probably two, they, they will have two wingers. There's two... The two I would be stunned if they don't start would be Modu Barrow and Gareth McCleary. Um, Barrow's the they said about him he's the obvious player for the out ball if they play in the counter with this flair and pace. But he is your here we go wingers again. He's ineffective at times, completely marked out of games, and he can ruin counter attacks. He can lose momentum and never track back. There was, as I say, there was a, a falling out with with the, with um, Clement, which saw him drop for three games. Um, but when he's in form, he adds a dynamic no other player in the team can offer. <laughs> you know, it's you know he was to be fair in April and in the April game he did he did look a proper handful. But the player who I think is more of a handful and the one I'd be more worried about is Gareth McCleary. Mm. He's he had a, he had this nasty. It was a, if, I, if it was this injury he picked up a, an ankle breaker, if I'm not mistaken, against Sheffield United back in February. But um, he's the most intelligent of all their wide players. Intelligent wingers are, are are special things. He doesn't dive in or give away stupid fouls. He knows when to make his runs. He's clever. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he might have played on that horrible five-one, the Orlando Saw hat-trick night, which scarred me. I've had so many bad memories of the Medeski Stadium. But he's he he's he he's not fully fit, so if he plays he'll probably play for about an hour and then he'll drop out. But when he is on he is he is a proper handful. Um so I think they're both naturally right wingers, if I'm not mistaken. But my guess would be McCleary on the right, because the other thing they like about him is he doesn't feel the need to cut inside. He will hit the he'll hit the chalk. He will go down the he will go down the he will attack the flanks. Um, uh, so as I say, him and Barrow. Um, the the other plan B is a little is a 21 year old loney from Southampton, Josh Sims. He started off really really well, direct and positive, but he has faded in recent games. He's good movement and good defensive work, and he's full of passion. But he looked very weak against. Um, they played Birmingham a few weeks ago. They lost that game, and he was he was quite anonymous in that game. So, again, one of these young loan signings coming through, possibly being found out, but very much a bench option, I would have thought. Have they got, in terms of the the forward options as well, we talked about Bulldog. Mm-hmm. He seems to me one that could maybe play mm-hmm. out wide as well to free up um, space up top. Is that it, likely? Yes. It's interesting you say that because with Bob Barson out, you've got Baldock and Yaku Meite. Now, Meite is technically a winger, but they think Baldock should play out wide because he's very good. He's very selfless. He works hard. He he tracks back. He battles manfully. His movement's impressive. But they think he's better off, rather than going directly up against centre-backs, he lacks the athleticism for that. He's less of an instinctive finisher as well. Whereas if you put Yaku Meite up, who is technically also a winger, you could put him in as a striker. He's he's quite, he's a bit of a wrecking ball. He's um in the sense that he's... They said about him that he's really good Good at fighting defences. He's good up against fullbacks. If he's wasted if balls are played to him, um, on, but by uh, to his feet because they can often bounce off him. But he can, if you play to his chest, he can hold the ball up. He can. He's very good in the air, but he's very directionless. So he will win the ball, but it can go anywhere. The kind of fifty pence head kind of thing. He doesn't. Can't, he can't. He <laughs> Sounds can't like Frank Newell, Harry. <laughs> he's actually <laughs> maybe a better Frank Newell. 
yeah, I think we're in that we're in that school of model model of footballer. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, but um, as I say, there the, with, with Bod Barson out, it's going to be Baldock or Mate. I thought is Mate a doubt as well. I think we were chatting to our friend. He, he, he is a he, he, yes, he is a doubt. I think he's got an ankle injury, which so he he hobbled off against Bristol actually. So he hobbled off last week, so he may not start. If he doesn't start, they are out of options. The plan, the other alternatives they got are Mark McNulty, who they feel. Sky blue, like, sky, sky blue. blue. He did really well, and there's a, it's hard not to draw a parallel with um, Ellis Harrison or Caden Jackson with him, in that he's a really good lower league prospect. But he needs, if the squad was stronger, he'd be able to be given the time and place to blossom the way Kimar Roof has coming from Oxford into Leeds. If you get my drift, you know, yeah, you've it's got tricky you've, to go into a team that's struggling yeah, and long confidence, exactly, isn't it? Exactly that. Yeah. So they say he's, they like his running. He's a very clever runner, but he, he the lack. This one of them said the lack of chemistry between him and Mate is incredible. A low risk gamble on a lower league player, I think. But um, he's a bit peripheral, I think. I was and disappointed the... we didn't go for McNulty actually. He's he, like he, I think it was over twenty goals for Coventry in their promotion mm. season last season, and yeah. I think there was quite a lot of disappointment when he left. But actually, they've yeah. seemed to have done okay without him. So that's yeah. kind of worked out well for for nobody really, apart from yeah. Coventry. Yeah. Does that does that description of him with the clever movement? Does that kind of fit? A little bit. You... I I tend to yeah. think of him as a bit of a focal point. Actually, he was he was he's quite a physical yeah. player, but yeah, good running. I just tend. I think he scored all types of goals as well, from what I recall. I think he yeah, had quite a few penalties, but he was just yeah. a really pivotal central figure for them in that promotion. So it's quite disheartening yeah. when he left but as I say they they seem to have rallied around without him so I was just hoping yeah. that he'd maybe have a chance but maybe yeah as long as that comes after mm-hmm. the weekend then um, we'll be okay yeah. there yeah. but I think, um, I'm, I think uh, you're about to mention does, our does, weekly yeah. they are still around yeah. player yeah there, there's there's one quick one quick quick one liner on a guy called Danny Loader who is their equivalent of Lancaster or Lanc- okay. Lancaster um, in that he's a player he's given how low they are on options up front with with Bob Varson out. He's 18. He came through the Reading, Wickham and Reading youth system. Um, he's a striker. He's an 18-year-old who is in form. Similar in, in style to Baldock. They may have him as a bench option just to throw on. So just is worth a sideline to, to mention as a, as a he's a Youth, a young kid coming through who has been doing well in the under 23s. He scored two goals against Villas under 23s. I think either this. I think it was during the week. Um, they, they they mentioned a few of them mentioned him. He's worth mentioning. But the where are they now player is Sonny Aluko. No, oh, you Let's can still t- find him. <laughs> He's out there. He is. Um, God, Fulham had their trousers down when they when they sold him to them. <laughs> Five million quid was an Harry. It was, yeah. I remember. I think he had a really good start for them, though. I think that. He started right. Fulham fans criticised him. They said he was a really good winger, but he couldn't finish. But then other things emerged when he went to Reading. Before that April game, they absolutely hammered him for drifting infield and completely abandoning his fullback, which is exactly what we saw happen. On that, on that, on that sort yes. of grim Saturday afternoon, he completely abandoned his fullback, and it was really awful. Um, but uh, there was a lovely—he played. They played Norwich earlier in the season, and I, this this is rather good. Um, Aluko provided all the entertainment against Norwich. He was hit in the face by a teammate's shot. Then, then he stood on the ball and fell over before finally hitting the post with an open goal when the game had already been stopped. Oh, <laughs> he brilliant. Is, well, he could start yeah, Saturday. He can, we don't mind him. He's laughably plural. No break. He's a kind of classic, you know, pace. Yeah. And not a lot. You know, he's an athlete. Um, they, it's the lack of footballing awareness, I think. One of them said every time he's fouled, he throws his hands in the air and stands there moaning. He's not... 
you know, he's he's really he's such a peripheral player now. It's quite sad, and he was a Nigerian international as yeah. well. well. You know, he was, was you know, yeah, yeah, played for Hull. He was one of their. I think it was it must, must that must have been under Steve Bruce. Then he would have been with Hull, if I'm not mistaken. He's going. Right, he's yeah. yeah. Anyway, but um, but he's um, but that's that's who they've got. That's the squad. Just to run through them all with with you. It's an interesting mix. All good players, but with question marks against them in many ways. I would yeah. say it feels nicely poised, doesn't it? And I think. Yeah. Yeah. Where I think we'll go is exactly the same starting lineup as last week. I think Lambert yeah. will be looking to establish that as as the core. I don't, I don't see any reason to mm. um, not play Jordan Roberts. And yeah. and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they where Clement goes. Um, yeah. And whether he mixes it up as well, because that's you know if you, if you see him suddenly get Guinevere out and set a balls four or what have you, then <laughs> that feels a little bit panicky, you know. Yeah, I agree with that. I could, I think we could probably, looking at the team, I can't see it changing much from Bristol City. It's just a question of whether Mete is injured. But it's the mm-hmm. the problem is it's, it's the lack of balance which Lambert talked about with us, particularly with with the lack of a proper number nine, which I think Lambert does like. Um, their lack of a midfielder is yeah. yeah that, but I feel they can be got at more than Millwall and Preston. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's dive into the questions, shall we? And, and the first one mm-hmm. is um, from Jack. Um, Barham Jack um, asks, are they as beatable team as we think? Or yeah. are we underestimating like QPR? And I'll add um, precedent to the mix as well. I mean, it's, it's, they've got a, you know two wins on the trot at home. So I guess we mm. can't underestimate them too much. Yeah. But I think probably I'm more confident than I was two weeks ago that we could do something at Reading. Do you agree with that? We yeah, don't, agree. I don't think we can underestimate yeah. anyone yeah. being the team that's adrift at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, I think oh. it's what we said earlier that I think Millwall and Preston, in a way, you could argue, are in slightly false positions. They're lower mid-table teams who mm. are climbing, whereas I, I, th- I think Reading are going to be knocking around the, la- the bottom six for, you know, they'll be there in March yeah. as things stand. Yeah. 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 Um, mm. Andy Wheaton asks, um, what do you think will be the key tactic to give Ipswich the best chance of getting something from the game? Um, really enjoying the shows this season as well, guys. Thanks. Well, thank you, Andy. Thank you. Um, uh, as you say, tactically, I think we'll we'll probably be consistent do you think he's going to change anything at all Lambert I don't think I don't see the way we play against Preston I don't see any reason to change it really it'll be interesting it's you were saying earlier about the way with Preston we seem to get get after them out wide I think they can be got they can be got out through the middle as well it'll be intriguing to see if we see more play through there I'm just if if Lambert sees I'm just to see how adaptable he is or will he just go with the same model of play mm. um because you could see that that midfield could be broken through, and you could get you could isolate a player like O'Shea without any problem at all. I would have thought, but um, it was it'd be fascinating. Yeah, on the, and some just a thought that comes to mind as well: the videos that um, the club have put out and um, yeah. work by Grant Pringle, the, the social media guy mm. at the club. One of the there's a one minute video mm. of Lambert drilling Shalabar, isn't there? Shalabar, I saw that, and I yeah. wonder whether that is because I thought Shalabar he did his usual. He, he had an absolute rick, gave the ball away, they nearly broke and scored. But actually played quite well on Saturday. Yeah. And I wonder whether that video is a clue that maybe he wants Chalaba to have a more pivotal role in kind of holding the ball and playing through the middle on Saturday, possibly. Maybe I'm no, no. a bit of a stretch. But no, Chalaba couldn't have a better mentor. He couldn't have a better yeah. mentor than, than Lambert there. He's perfect for the midfielders, he really is. We'll see. It'll be interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, Andy Grimes, um, have we got a box-to-box midfielder in our squad? We've got holding players and a few who can play behind the striker, but no one who can balance it out in the midfield three. Could Big Trev do this? Hughes, maybe. 
um, our box-to-box midfield option. I thought, actually, as I say, Chalibur and Downs actually did get quite high up the pitch and got back quite a lot as well last week. But yeah. I guess he means with the ball rather than pressing. Yeah. Um, any obvious options that you can see there? I don't think Hughes is that box-to-box midfielder, is he? No, he's not, no. Um, I'm not sure we do. I th- that do could we actually... One, I guess. Well, the question, yeah, exactly. It's, it's. You could see Chalaba as he as his athleticism evolves. You could see him possibly evolving into that because he has got he has got a physicality to him. But um, I don't think so, though. I don't think we do have a. I don't think we do have an out and out box to box midfielder. That could be going back to Lambert's earlier comments about um, about the lack of balance in the squad. That might be something he's looking at as well. I guess I'll say one name. Um, and we'll see what the reaction is. Um, do you remember yeah. we've got a guy called John Nolan who plays for us? He, Good to, point. Me, he to me is the box-to-box midfielder, but he's just, um, yeah, well, he's injured at the moment, which is why he's not yeah. on the team. But in theory, mm. maybe it's him. There's my no. suggestion. No. Um, Dylan asks, um, this is purely, We I guess we'll have to speculate on this one. What's Danassian done or not to play? I think... I. We both expected Spence to play right back on Saturday, yeah. purely because he's the more experienced of the two, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I think the pro- I think he's. Te- I think a lot of the 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 lower league players have been taken out for their own protection. The lack of balance, throwing so many of them in, just absolutely hammered them. I mean, when we played Leeds the other week, there were two players who were being blooded in that team on the wing. I think one winger came off and one winger came on, and that was it. So, you know, it, it, it's absolutely crippled their confidence. So I don't think it's necessarily a question mark against Tanassian. I think by having proven players in place, let's get the team settled and established and playing in a model of football. Then you can start introducing yeah. the, the, you can start introducing them in a much more gradual way. And again, going back to Lambert's lack of balance, I think that's, that's definitely another issue. Mm. There's a lack of experience championship experience in the squad yep. so yeah yeah which we well we know why yeah yep um james mealing asks um was saturday's performance typical of a new manager bounce or was it a performance typical of a paul lambert team i've been very impressed with lambert thus far pray it continues well what do you reckon rich you were there i as uh, i say i thought from minute one we appeared to know exactly what we were there to do um yeah the the, the chances thing and the and the creating proper goal scoring moments is still an issue but actually unlike the Hurst team at Leeds where it was waiting to concede we're actually on the front foot um, the players looked up for it the players looked like they knew exactly what their jobs were and that was in stark contrast to anything that I'd seen in the previous yeah. few weeks I guess to James's point all the players are suddenly going to be up for things aren't they because they want to play they want to impress yeah. the new man yeah. And that yeah. might be a factor. I guess we'll yeah. find out in a few weeks, James, whether um, the standard mm. is maintained. Uh, let me ask, Rich, are we, did you see an emergent personality? Very early days, but did you see an emergent personality? Um, yeah, I did. I yeah. did. And, 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 and Lambert's talked about having, the team having an identity. And it yeah. absolutely started from Chambers and Scoose. Um, yeah. It it was Chambers was all over the pitch when the ball was up the other end, instructing and coaching and and I and I think Lambert has, has figured out that he's got a role to play. But yeah. absolutely, I think that and it starts from that bank of four at the back. That yeah. Solid, experienced Pennington, albeit is he's got a championship experience, isn't he? No, he did. Played, no, played, played with Leeds exactly. Yeah. And I think yeah. and that base I think is what Lambert will build from. I yeah. Absolutely do. And and and. 
Hurst was constantly changing it, wasn't he? And moving players into wrong positions and it undermined it and it exposed us. Um, yeah. So I think that will be, as we expected and as we talked about with Steve McLaren, I think it will be that solid base that will be yeah. the basis of us doing anything yeah. Yeah. positive going forward. Yeah, just put the foundations in place and then you start to, then you can start to sort of adding the finishing touches. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Lambert's definitely building a bit of a a personality off the pitch for the squad and the team and the club as well as we talked about already which I think is also it's a superb. good thing um, yeah. our friend um, Harry Butcher um, Harry how much of a positive effect will it give the players that Lambert is talking positively um, and why we, yeah huge it's absolutely huge it's um, it's it basically he's just trying to I mean this comment at the end of the game against Mill against uh, Preston he said if we play like that for the rest of the season it's a million percent that we're going to stay we're going to be safe i smiled when i heard that because it was an absolute you know he's you know he's doing everything he humanly can to imbue the club with some confidence every everything you know, he's, he's literally throwing the kitchen sink at this but boy do we need it it's you it's it's you know he's i spotted that from day one i think he's realized this is you know we we need with if our confidence gets lift we play more confidently there are less errors Th- those tiny that extra 10, 20% comes into the way the players are playing, then suddenly defeats become draws, draws become wins, and then we're suddenly playing like a decent mid-table championship team again. Mm. Yeah. And we mm. get to January and, yeah, can strengthen and hopefully improve as well. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Uh, a couple more. Um, Mrs. Nuts, I'll answer this one. Um, mm-hmm. Or um, have we found a new good corner taker in Flynn Downs? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it was, um, I, f- I thought it was one of Flynn Downs' best games of the season on Saturday. Um, he mm-hmm. t- definitely had a new lease of life but he was taking the corners and actually yeah. played them into really Im- useful positions it was still kind of a bit floaty Grant Wardy mm-hmm. slicey kind of nonsense but yeah. they actually went on target and they went into good areas so I right. think we might have stumbled upon something there I don't think it's a coincidence either I think Lambert can spot these things can't he uh, I, w- I wasn't at the game Rich could we have tested Gallagher when he was in goal more with a few whipped in crosses we or with them. a few whipped in and yeah and, 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 and oh, it... I remember having a massive moan um, mm. to my mate Jim who was alongside me that um, we took a few outswinging corners which is the bane of my life anyway I hate yeah. I think statistically it's been proven that outswinging corners you don't score as many goals with them I think yeah. in Soconomics I think the book debunked mm. that and the reason that apparently football coaches use it is because they've possibly been players um, in a past life and have scored an amazing goal where they've run on to an outswinging corner and powered a header in and they remember it being such a great mm. moment that mm. they want to recreate it tactically but I yeah I we definitely we our corners and our shots did not yeah. put Gallagher under enough pressure from my liking right. mm-hmm. um, we will end with our good friend um, Benjamin Bloom um, who asks um, well he says he really enjoyed the Hitzfeld segment last week are there any other mega European managers you can talk about this week in relation to the Reading management um, he also asks what are your plans for February the 16th well I know what my plans are I'll be at the Curve Bar after the uh, Stoke match on February 16th for Blue Monday Live and I am I think you'll be there too Harry won't you I'll be there too really looking forward to it it'll be great for us all to be together it should be an absolute laugh of an evening really looking forward to it yeah so we um, absolutely did not crowbar that question there and um, <laughs> Benjamin thank you for your question I don't know who you are Benjamin but yeah thank yeah, you for that. Um, any, any European managers first, that you want to first, uh, first time listener well let's <laughs> okay he's, he's he's teed the thing up so let's talk about the great man Carlo Ancelotti um under whom um, Clement worked um, 
at, certainly at Chelsea when they were together. It's a, it's an interesting one. Um, he wrote a book. I'm going to wave another book under everyone's noses. I'm That's sorry for doing this. But this is this is well. I'm worth going to find, reading. by the way, I'm going to find something yeah. to put behind me, yeah. and then I can kind of, <laughs> you know, mugs or something. There you go. Yeah, quiet leadership. I mentioned this book because it is really, really good. He's, um, Ancelotti's interesting. So many managers, um, they they don't evolve their thinking. They stand still. Um, I mean. Mourinho, Clough, Wenger, even Sir Alf, you could argue, had a moment where he had an idea, but then it, it he wasn't able to keep it going over a series of decades. It was a it was a, a for a period of time. Mm. Um, Sir Bobby and Sir Alex Ferguson would be the two you'd put in that other elite group, and Ancelotti has got to go in there with them. He's um, he's a the only question is, which we'll come on to at the end, is I'm not sure how much of this has been taken on board by Clement. That's the thing, which you can see already in a week what Lambert is doing. You can see Hitzfeld's DNA all over what Lambert's been doing all week. But we'll talk about Ancelotti. I know a lot about him because Mick even referenced this quiet leadership book. Um, it's a really good read. He referenced it um, last spring in one of his press conferences. Um Ancelotti, he's a very humble manager. He judges everyone on their merits. He's a pragmatist. Um, and again, you can see little bits of this, to be fair, in um, in Clement's style. Um, he's got outstanding judgment and very clear thinking. He's got a very patient and a very calm management style. A lot of that comes from this Italian thing, this ability to detach yourself. He is quite a passionate man as well. No Italian, you know, any fo- Italian football man will be. They really care. But he has this ability to abstract himself during games and preparing games. The Italians do this thing called a retiro, where they often pre-season, they'll go away on a monastic type retreat where they're almost preparing their minds and bodies ready for the battles oh, ahead. Our friend it's, Mikey it's, Smith uh, will love that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what they do. And Ancelotti has that within him, this ability to step out almost in a Zen kind of way and say, right, okay, let's just find a moment of absolute calm here and let me gather, let's gather some, as, uh, find as much clarity to our thinking. Um, and that's, he, one of the things he does is, he manages to, to to get the right balance between having the team having an overall strategic identity and a personality, but at the same time being able to vary it tactically from game to game. He's not wedded to a philosophy, but he, he will look for the identity of a team that he's got. He's, and so it's different at Napoli. It's different at, at Munich. Example, but but the kind of legacy that he leaves, for example, Jupp Heynckes, who, who, um, who replaced him at, at Munich, he actually praised Ancelotti when Munich won last season's Bundesliga, and Ancelotti was his predecessor so he's that type of manager he 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 leaves a lasting influence on the team that that he has taken on one small bit i'll mention um for example this is this kind of sums him up he talks about defending in his book he says great defensive play is mostly organizational and positional in today's game it's not so much about tackling anymore it's about concentration of course, you don't have to be physically conditioned to run and sacrifice. Players don't like it when they don't have the ball. Nobody likes running without it. So you can see the way he's actually looked into the elements of defending. And I mean, this whole idea, you could talk about some of the, you know, our, some of our rookie errors that we made earlier in the season. Yes, they were nest, they were poor tackles, but it was actually possibly about the concentration leading up to the tackle that caused the problem in the first place. Mm. You see, that, and this is this is his mind. He's able to literally filter, distill the whole thing out. It's quite, it's it's quite brilliant. This, it, this, as I say, it's he's a man. He's full of thunderbolts. He really is. It's quite brilliant. Well, um, definitely the, um, the th- uh, and this is probably my uh, my observations or my listening mm. to what you're, you're you've been saying, particularly at Hitzfeld last week mm. in Lambert, um, is how all of these um, managers seem to think of football more from a. <laughs> I'm trying to. 
not make it sound management BSE, but football is less about drilling and tactics and more about the human element and the human thought process. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's um, a way of thinking. It's and, a way yeah, of thinking. absolutely. And, and that includes yeah. motivation as well as putting players in the right positions or finding yeah. good partnerships and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it feels like yeah. all of these kind of names that we've been talking about are probably good tacticians and understand the kind of the um, how the game is played, but also understand yeah. more and probably put more value in how the footballer thinks and how their brain is geared towards yeah. getting that extra two, three, four percent out of them. Yeah. Am I it's, anywhere it's, in there? To, to, I totally agree. I, yeah, to, I totally agree, Rich. It's that thing of a team is an organism. It really is. And you can see in games the way the the pendulum can swing in a game like the 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 like the the the, the, the night in England and the World Cup and in certain games they were, the momentum was with them and then suddenly it was going back against them in the Colombia game for example that where you could feel you know you could see how the flow of the game was impacting on the players not just on their technical ability but on the whole psychology of them as a group as well yeah. and you and think that, about that, we've, go, on, go on sorry no go you go for well, it. I was going to say uh, People yeah. kind of tend, tend to think of fitness as a mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna put the hundreds of miles in around the training ground. We're gonna do laps. We're gonna build up our fitness. Actually, when it comes to the 89th minute of a game, when you are holding on to one nil lead, mm. actually is physical fitness or mental fitness or the mental willingness to drive and push yourself and finish the game and be absolutely knackered versus I'm physically fit. I could do that. I could run for that tackle, but I'm not going to either because yeah. I'm not motivated to do it or because someone else will do it and I don't yeah. have to worry. And I wonder yeah. those, the kind of the differences that we're thinking, thinking maybe with Hurst and Lambert's styles. At, at the level, at the level these guys are managing. Yes. And that's, and then the other factor, which again, coming back to Reading, coming back to us is confidence. Mm. Sometimes there can be confidence that causes that decision. You're not even aware of the decision you're making at the time. Yes. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. And we've seen it, haven't we? Particularly the, yeah. without the confidence. Yeah. That's yeah. fascinating. We could talk about this for hours, but yeah. we probably yeah. shouldn't. Maybe another day. Mm. <laughs> but it's, yeah, uh, Any other, what was that Ancelotti bit? Was it the quiet, the quiet it's, it's called It's, it's quiet, quiet leadership, it's called. Yeah, he talks about one smile, punchline. He talks about pressure. And this is actually, there was a bit about on Hurst. I, I, let me just finish on this. This is Clement. It, it, in this book, a lot of it's Ancelotti's own thinking, but people who have, I mean, the guy's been going for decades. Um, he, people who have interacted with him over the different chapters of his life, all kind of, um, sort of chip in chip in parts um there was but clement's comment was interesting and this brought me back to hearst when i read it carlo's biggest strength was his ability to deal with pressure now this is clement talking at derby county there are thirty-three thousand fans in home games and you certainly feel the heat as a number one not only from the fans but from the media from ownership and from the pressure you put yourself under you feel the pressure to win all the time and he talks about the way ancelotti was dealing with that at the very highest level and the way you know and what you have to do then to empathize with him and support him in this position and again i think going back to without dwelling on hurst but that it kind of highlights the um you know i think that was uh, a landmine that hurst in my sixpence worth is i think he stepped on that without realizing it yeah, yeah. well it's gonna be we've got two two um managers or first team coaches whatever you want to call them on the touchline on saturday um mm who have got that European pedigree, or at least have got the European understanding. So it'd be fascinating to see how Saturday yeah. works out. Harry, that was really enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Thank you again for taking us through Ancelotti, but also um, Reading as well with such great detail as well. Um, I, I'm now ready for whatever they have to throw at us, but fingers crossed we can make something happen for yes. ourselves. Do you want to quickly do your plugs, your um, blog and your Twitter? 
Absolutely. The, um, uh, the Reading preview notes will be up Friday lunchtime on TWTD and I always link them on at Harry from Bath on Twitter. Brilliant. And you can find me at Ipswich and you can find both of us. I was going to say the Medeski Skating. Is it still called that? I forget what it is. It is the Madstad. Madstad. We will yep, be at yep. Reading on Saturday. So do yep. come and say hello. And yep. thank you for all the questions. Thank you, Kim, for listening. And Harry, I shall see you on Saturday. See you Saturday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping. But in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.